week three of boundaries are biblical. And many of you that did our confidence study remember the story that I told about walking on the beach uh, with my mentor. Um, we go to the beach a lot in North Carolina and um, God has given me a very special friendship there with a woman named Charlotte. And for the past 10 years, we've been friends. We've walked on the beach together and she loves the Lord and has just really poured into my life and, and mentored to me. And um, one of the things that my friend uh, Charlotte, who is, um, she's 80, and, and her husband, they love to do collect shark's teeth. In fact, they love to collect anything. They're the ones that have got me into collecting sea glass, so they're definitely collectors. And they enjoy not only collecting things, but they also label what they've collected. And it's a lot of fun, actually, to go to their house, and they love sharing with me their latest treasure uh, that they have found. And so, one summer, I was running on the beach, and my eye caught this large black triangle thing. And so I went and I picked it up and I thought it was a shell at first, but then I said, oh my goodness, because I mean, it was like this big. This is a shark's tooth. And I was so excited. I turned around and started running back and my boys were little back then. And I said, Josh, Justin, look. They're like, oh, you found a shark's tooth. You know, and they love Miss Charlotte and Miss Joel too. They're let's go find uh, Miss Charlotte and Mr. Joel. Joel is, is Charlotte's husband. And so, so I ran and I found them and I said, would you look what I found? I was so excited about what I had found and I said, look at this. I brought, I want you to have this treasure that I found. And he took one look at that and he held it up and he said, I'm sorry, Eileen, but that's not a shark's tooth. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. And then he went into that it was a certain kind of rock and, and why I thought it was a shark's tooth. And, and, you know, it was so, looked like a shark's tooth to me that it's easy to see how I could have gotten confused. And that reminded me of um, our, our study this week and how when something closely resembles the real thing, it doesn't mean that it is the real thing. And just like I went to Joel and he was able to tell me the truth, you and I need to make sure when we're following God that we are following the right thing. Because the truth about it is, is that the enemy loves one of his strategies other than getting us in unforgiveness and messing with our mind. Oh, how he loves to counterfeit the creator with the created. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful, something that looks like the real thing, we might swap it for the real thing. And idolatry can be born in our heart. And see, the Israelites 
left Egypt. They left the bondage to worship. And you and I left codependency or whatever other dependency it was not to replace it with another idol or addiction because all idols steal our freedom. All idols end up leaving us worn out and weary. All idols take us, our eyes off from God. But you and I must be careful because the enemy loves to counterfeit the Creator. And inside of our Nourish Scripture this week, we see that God was giving the Israelites specific instructions about worship. Do you see? I mean, He's he's teaching them about worship. That's one of His goals uh, for this time. And one of the reasons why we learned in our first lesson that He gives these boundaries. And when I read these scriptures, you know, when it says, if you use stones to build my altar, only use natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool, for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, what is the big deal? And then it says, and don't approach my altar by going up the steps. If you do, someone might look under your clothing and see your nakedness. And I'm like, well, I kind of understand that. But, you know, what, what is the big deal, right? If I use something to cut the stones with, and I read in the commentary that God wanted to be very specific because he didn't want them to have anything uh, man-made in, inside of their worship. And if I walked up to one of those altars, I bet you it would be just like that shark's tooth. I don't know if I could tell if the altar was of uncut stone from a knife or or what. I wouldn't have been able to really tell the difference. And what God is teaching the Israelites and what I believe he wants me to teach to you today is be careful so cautious that you don't leave your codependency only to replace it for another dependency. Deuteronomy 5.16 So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground or a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt in order to make you his very own special people. You were rescued to worship. And in those verses, we see how seductive the enemy can be. And it talks about how, you know, we we can just slip so easily, right, into believing that this is something or someone that we should worship. Inside Treasured Ministries, if you don't learn anything else, 
It is to put your faith in God and God alone. Many times inside of codependency, because we want a checklist, because we're used to depending upon people, we can get hooked on a certain person or a certain um, leader. And this leader could be very godly, but we are never to hold them in a place above God. We are never to put them first. We are never to worship the created over the creator. And when we do that, it can mess up our boundary system. You know, believing that we should always meet the needs and demands of others in the name of Christian love is a common Christian misconception. But this is not Christianity. This is idolatry and codependency. You know, there's this uh, thought out there that as a Christian, that it's not okay for you to have any rights. And it's just not true because when we live our lives this way, people get put first and not God. And it can be tricky, right? Like when you're starting to walk with God, it can be tricky. Like, okay, is this um, self-sacrificing like in a spirit-led way? Or is this me making an idol out of this person? It can be very confusing. And I want to go back to that first lesson that we had about how important it is for us to, to stay near to God. But I also want to give you these principles, and that's this, that Christianity does not mean that we throw away our free will, our individuality, our basic right to think and to feel and to act based upon that free will. Christianity does mean that we take that free will and we surrender it to God. And then as we surrender it to God, God will align our lives with His. I know it can be tricky because maybe you've heard all your life, you need to put everybody first. Always others' needs first needs to go over yours. But it's kind of like that shark's tooth. It's real close but it's not the real thing. Many times I will hear from women how uh, if they've been in, in abuse, their abuser would actually use scripture to keep them shackled. That is not the purpose of the word of God. That is not the purpose of dying to self. And the way that we understand how we need to navigate is to make sure that we're putting God first. Now, I want to give you um, just some, some rights as a Christian that you can stand on based on the authority of God's Word. Number one is this. You have the right to make choices based on the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You can do that. You can follow God. And you should follow him first. You have the right 
to help other people ready, wait for it, based off of God's leading, not out of obligation or because somebody is forcing you to. You have the right to feel your feelings, even if somebody else doesn't think that you should be feeling those feelings. We do not put other people in charge of our emotions. And the converse of that is true. We are also not in charge of other people's emotions. And you know what? If I'm feeling anger, if I'm feeling jealousy, if I'm having all kinds of irrational things going on in my head, you know what I can do? I can go before God and I can process those feelings with Him and get to the bottom of the truth. But we have the right to feel our feelings, even if somebody else doesn't like how we feel. We have the right to say no to a person's request when it imposes upon our God-given responsibilities or our God-given purpose or if it's going to cause us harm. You have the right to say no. Sometimes um, abusers will say, you know, it's compliance with me or else it's defiance to God. I love what Lisa Turker says. She says, you know, somebody else's request is not necessarily your responsibility. You have the right to say no. And you need to know you have the right to say no. Why? This brings me to my next point. So you can say yes to God. You have the right to say yes to God's discernment, not the pressure to please others. You have the right to be the person that God created you to be, even if it doesn't align with somebody else's expectations, a parent's expectations, whoever it may be, the culture's expectations, the next one is this, you have the right not to condone or allow sinful behaviors or tendencies. And, and you know what? Just like God draws boundaries with sin, so you and I have the right to say, you know what? I'm treasured and I have standards and this is not okay. You also have the right to live in peace rather than toxicity. You know what? When we, um, when we start to leave toxicity, people can be upset about that. Just like Pharaoh, when the Israelites left, he came chasing after him. You know what? You have the right to live in that. Other people may want to pull you back. You should never think that it is God's will for you to stay in emotional pain. You have the right to live in peace instead of toxic situations. Now, it can be a little bit confusing, right? Um, but basically, it boils down to this, that our rights are not whatever I want to do, but it's whatever God wants me to do. And this idea of self-sacrifice with a codependency lens can be a slippery 
slope if we believe that we should always meet the needs and demands of others in the name of Christian love. It may look like a shark's tooth, but it's not a shark's tooth. This is not Christianity. This is idolatry and codependency. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus with the most extravagant cost. You and I belong to God. And just like he rescued those Israelites to bring him to himself, we belong to him first. Other people's ideas of how we should spend our day or who we should be do not supersede God's vision for us, and that includes husbands and parents. And so we can see <laughs> that it can be a slippery slope. And why is it a slippery slope? Why is it so easy for us to get enamored with another person um, and, and put, put our trust in them? And why is it so important um, that, that we should follow God? Well, you know what I think? I think, one, if you're a codependent, you're going to have a pull towards that. But the other thing is, is that because we can see the person with our physical eyes, it's like um, we don't have to walk by faith on that one. We can just pick up the phone and call and ask instead of pulling back and, and asking God, right? And so, so it's easier for us to trust in what we can see with our physical eye rather than walking by faith, right? It's quicker. It's, it's more immediate. I don't have to pull away and, and get that discernment. Um, but the answer is this, is that, you know, God's living word spoken to us, that is the key that is going to keep us free from idolatry because when God speaks to us, that is what puts skin on God. Do you know what I'm saying? That is when you and I can uh, see God. And inside of our nourish scripture, in the very beginning, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, you saw for yourselves, you saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Boom, the next verse. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Now, this comes straight on the heels uh, of the Ten Commandments. So he's already said about not making any idols. He's, he's said that a lot, but, but see how he's setting this boundary. And, and the first thing that he says to repeat this is, remember, I spoke to you. When we hear God speak, and that's exactly why we do the Nourish Method, it gives you a confidence to put God first, to depend on Him. And the key inside of that verse, it says, you saw for yourselves. You must experience this for yourself. And this is why inside of Treasured Ministries, um, we believe that the Nourish Method is key to confidence and freedom and a life free from codependency. Why? 
because nobody's telling you anything. It's you and God and you're hearing him speak to you. And it thrills my toes no end when women call and they're like, I heard him speak. And this word was just for me. And when Jesus spoke to women in the Gospels, his words changed their lives. There's a confidence that comes to stay away from worshiping the created instead of the creator. When you come to God and you hear him speak, so to stay away from uh, idolatry, um, to, to remain in this place of intimacy with God, you must make it a regular routine to do your nourish method, to go to Him and to hear Him speak. The second thing is this, you must set boundaries to, to keep God first. Now, um, in, inside of here, God was giving them boundaries for worship, right? He was teaching them how to worship because uh, they didn't know. And in the New Testament, we've got a lot of great um, boundaries that God gives to us. And, uh, and the first one, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, it says, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Sometimes you just have to flee, right? You have to get away from the thing. You have to put down, right, the YouTube videos and the teaching, and you just have to sit with God, right? And then Matthew 6, 24a says, no one can serve two masters. For you will either hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. What's the principle inside of that verse? It's impossible for you to serve two people. And the more you focus on God, the more you fall in love with God. And the more you fall in love with God, the more you will want to naturally follow God. It won't be something you have to do. It'll just be something um, that, that is in you. And just like in that verse, Deuteronomy, you can look up at any mountain or listen to any speaker and you'll say, that is great, but it never tops the mountaintop experience of hearing God when I do my nourish method, hearing him speak to me. God's living word spoken to me keeps us free from idolatry, especially codependency. The next thing is this, build altars to commemorate any major encounter with God. Now, inside here, um, he commands them, it says, build my altar whenever I cause my name to be remembered and I will come to you and bless you. Now, altars were built for different reasons. One of those was um, if, the, if the person heard God speak, you remember in Genesis 28 when Jacob heard God speak, he, he built an altar. And here's the thing, you know, God speaks all the time. But there are some day, there's some mornings where he just gives me a whisper or two. There are other mornings that are deep, but man, then there are some mornings. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Where God comes down and he speaks to you and you've had an encounter with God. When that happens, 
make sure you write it in a journal or make a memorial of it. And the reason why you need to make a memorial of it is because on the other days where maybe he's not speaking as loud as, or maybe it is that you're walking through a difficult valley, you need to go back to that word of authority that he's given you. You see, the enemy loves, loves to make us forget what God wants us to remember. He loves that. So build an altar to commemorate the encounter that you've had with God. That's exactly why after we do a session each time, we have that week where we do what we call harvesting uh, our journals, you know, building visual reminders of God's encounters with us can intercept any insecurity we feel or um, impatience we feel when we're waiting to hear from God by pointing us back to the one true God. Now, this would not be the first time that Moses would get the Ten Commandments. He ends up breaking these Ten Commandments because, I mean, he gets mad at those Israelites. And we're not going to read about it in our study, but I want to tell you about it, that Moses went back up the mountain. And when he left, he was gone for a little while. And when he was gone, while he was gone, the people, it wasn't a hot minute after he left, they created a golden calf and started worshiping. And here's what I think. Their shepherd, their spiritual leader was Moses. And Moses was a godly man. But Moses was not God. And when Moses left, they were like, oh, what am I supposed to do? What? Instead of having that confidence that God would speak, what did they do? They built an altar in their impatience. All of our hearts are prone to wander. And it's keeping close to God spending time with Him, His living Word spoken to us that will keep us free from idolatry. And that's important because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And the enemy of your soul can't steal your salvation, but he will wreak havoc in your purpose. And when the created instead of the creator is the one that you and I are following, is the one that is calling the shots for us, the enemy will have us right in his hands. And all in the name of Christian love, we start practicing idolatry by always meeting the needs and the demands of others in the name of Christian love. Setting boundaries so you can put God first is the key for you to soar.